That's great. All right, well, good morning, everyone. Get your Bibles out if you would, please. Mark chapter 5 is where we are here this morning. Mark chapter 5. We've been doing a series around here called Leap, Stepping into Audacious Faith. And we've been talking about throughout this series how living for God, when you think about it, requires us to live with this audacious faith. That word audacious, we've been looking at this over the last several weeks, means one who is bold or daring, especially with confident disregard for personal comfort or conventional thought. And so when you think about audacious faith is the stuff that begins to stir inside of us that triggers ordinary people like you and me to start living with unusual boldness. It's not about personality. It's not about whether you're an extrovert or an introvert. It goes beyond that. That causes us to step outside of ourselves. And it causes us to have this confident disregard for the status quo that so many of us get stuck in. That whole issue of where we just kind of get stuck in the rut and we just kind of keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. It's, it's, this audacious faith is what causes us to, to jump outside of that status quo in our own lives as well as the world in which we live today. And so throughout this series, we've been looking at in the Bible through at guys by the name of Jabez and Joshua and Elijah and Peter, people in the Bible who uh, were... They stepped outside of what was kind of set out for them, and they took some pretty audacious steps of faith. But one of the things I've noticed as a pastor is that anytime God starts a movement, the enemy is right there to start his opposition. Come on, how many know that to be true? Every single time God starts doing something and begins to move, whether it's in your life or in your area or in your business or in your relationships, the enemy is always right there to start his opposition, to try to thwart what it is that God is doing. And so when God begins to do something in your life, when he begins to speak to you, when he begins to bless you, when he begins to challenge you, when he begins to raise your sights on a whole new level of faith... The enemy is right there, right alongside, trying to sabotage what it is that God is trying to do. So let me give you the backstory here of Mark chapter 5. You, you have it in your Bible already, Mark chapter 5? Let me give you the backstory because this is about a guy by the name of Jairus. Um, he's actually, his name's actually pronounced Iraosi in the original language. We'll just call him Jairus for our, our Texas ears here this morning. But there's a man by the name of Jairus who needed a miracle from God. Let me ask you a question. How many of you be honest enough to say you need a miracle from God in your life? Well, here was a guy who needed a miracle from God. His daughter was really, really, really sick. And so Jesus agrees to go back to Jairus' home to be with his daughter, pray for his daughter. On the way back to Jairus' home, there's a woman who's, who had been bleeding and suffering for 12 years over this illness who interrupts Jesus to seek her own healing for her own situation. In other words, this woman cuts in line. Now, I don't know if that bothers you, but I don't like it when people cut in line. I tend to have this high, high justice and high equality thing inside of me, and so when I see injustice, when I see inequality, it just ruffles my feathers just a little bit. It makes me just a little bit aggravated, which here's just a truth, honest statement here. I've been aggravated for over a year now living here in Texas. <laughs> because I don't know what it is, but every highway in Texas has these signs everywhere that says the left lane is only for passing. How many of you have seen those signs on the highways? I don't know why they're there because nobody obeys them. It's the slow pokes, the people who just think they own this lane, the left lane, that that's theirs no matter what speed they go. I don't get it, but I'm telling you, it aggravates me. <laughs> Every single time I get on a highway, there are people poking in the left lane. But here's a sign that says the left lane is only used for passing. If you know something that I don't know, if that means something that I, I need you to help me because I'm getting tense in my shoulders. <laughs> My blood pressure rises just a little bit. I just have this sense of injustice every time I get on the roads here that I'm traveling back and forth on. Well, here's the situation with Jairus. Jairus convinces Jesus to come back to his home to pray for his daughter who is deathly sick. Jesus agrees to go, but then here's this woman who jumps in line. 
she cuts in line for her own healing. And as a result, things go from bad to worse for Jairus' daughter. Look at this in Mark 5, verse 35. While Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. Now, let me just make a side comment real here. It's kind of a rabbit trail. But I think it's really important for you to know, and you might want to write this down, laughing at Jesus is a bad idea. Okay, that's just kind of free information here for you this morning, but laughing at Jesus is just not really a good idea. I'm just just saying it, all right? Verse 40, after he had put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Now, jump back to verse 35. It says, your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher any more? You know, the essence of audacious faith is what Jesus said in Matthew 19, verse 26. With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. That's the essence of audacious faith. With man, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. In other words, the dream that God has put in your heart, it's possible. That dream that God's put in your heart for your marriage, it's possible. The dream that God's put in your heart for your finances, for your business, for your career, it's possible. The dream that God's put in your, in your, in your heart to start a business venture, it's possible. The dream that God's put in your heart to go back to school, it's possible. This is the voice of God in your life. But at the same time that God's voice is saying it's possible, there's another voice telling you, why bother? Why bother? The situation is hopeless. It'll never work out. You'll never be able to do this. Why even bother? Ever been there? How many moms and dads, when you look at a basket full of overflowing laundry, look at it and think, why bother? (laughs) These clothes are just going to get dirty again, so why even bother cleaning them this time? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Or how many, when you're looking at your house and, and realizing it needs to be cleaned, The idea comes, why even bother? Because you know, just as soon as you clean the floor, somebody's going to walk in with muddy shoes and make it all dirt again. So why even bother cleaning the house? Or maybe you've been thinking about trying to lose weight or getting back into shape, and you realize you've been putting on a few pounds, 10 pounds here, 10 pounds there, and you know you should probably do something, but it gets to a point where you just say, why bother? Why bother? with all of this. I'm already so far gone. I don't even care anymore. It doesn't even matter. Somebody passed me a a cream puff with lots of cream and whipped cream inside. It doesn't even matter anymore. Why even bother? Been there? We can laugh at stuff like that, but when the really important issues of life come along, it's no laughing matter. Maybe it's It is your marriage, and you desire to have a loving marriage. You believe God wants to do great things in your marriage, but it just seems like nothing is changing. She's not changing. He's not changing. So why even bother? Maybe for you, it's raising your kids. Even maybe this morning, you already experienced it, just trying to get your kids to come to church. It was a fight all along. And so you're just thinking, why do I even try? Nothing's making a difference in how, what's going on with my kids' lives, so why even bother? Maybe for you, it's with your career, and it's like, why, why bother getting up early and going to work and doing my job wholeheartedly? Nobody pays attention. It doesn't make a difference. It doesn't affect my bottom line. It doesn't affect my income. Nobody ever gives me a thank you. Nobody really ever cares. So why even bother working hard and, and doing this wholeheartedly? Or maybe it's because you're, you know, you're needing a job, but you're thinking, why even bother, bother applying for another job? 
All I do is get rejections. All I, all I do is get turned down. So why even bother doing that? Or maybe it's in your own financial situation. Some of you, when you look at your financial situations, you think what it would be like to be financially free, to be out of debt, to be able to give more. But every time you start down that road of trying to get to that place, you have these voices behind you that says, why bother? I'm already $22,000 in debt. I'm never going to be able to climb out of this hole. I'm not making enough money for it to even make a difference. It's going to take me 12 years just to catch up. So why in the world does this, why don't you, should I even do this? Why even bother? Maybe for you, it's your own integrity. It's your own integrity, how you're living your life. Why do I need to even stay sexually pure? Why do I need to be faithful to my spouse? I mean, everybody else is sleeping around. Why do I need to be faithful that way? Why do I need to tell the truth when it seems like everybody else is lying? They don't get in trouble for lying. So why, why, why do I just, why do I just, why, why can't I just lie? Why, why bother telling the truth? Why do I need to put up all this ridicule and backlash from trying to live my life with some sort of integrity, some sort of holiness? Why even bother? And then maybe you're far from God and the enemy has told you, why bother giving your life to Christ? Why bother asking God to forgive you? Why, why even bother going down that road? I mean, yeah, I've made a, all this messes of my life. I, why even go, go this way? I, I mean, he has no use for me. I've made such a mis- so many mistakes. There's no way that he can even turn that around for me. So why even bother? See, I believe every time God comes into our life and he begins moving in your life and speaking it's possible, right alongside him is the enemy's voice who's yelling in your ears, why bother. Have you ever been there? You know what I'm talking about here? When we were looking at the possibility of of starting a a church plant down in Kyle last year and going through all the difficulty of launching a new campus, statistics say that nine out of 10 new church plants die within the first three years. Nine out of 10 new church plants die within the first three years. And so why even bother? Why go through all the work? Why go through all the effort? Why go through all the the financial giving to plant a new church in an area? Why why even bother doing that? When we were looking at the possibility of merging two churches here together and going through all the hard work of doing that and trying to earn trust and trying to deal with reputations. I mean, that's a lot of work. I mean, why bother? Change is so hard. Why even bother doing any of this? I'm telling you, I've been there. Have you? Sometimes Sunday mornings feel that way to me because I know just preaching a message, statistics say that 80% of what I say on a given Sunday morning goes from one ear to out through the other ear. 80%. And so I'm thinking, what in the world am I doing? Why do I do this? If, I, if 80% of what I say makes no difference, it just goes in one ear and out of the other ear in you, then why am I doing Why do I spend so much time preparing and working and praying and studying and, and putting together, together messages? Why in the world do I do that? I mean, I'm just trying to be honest with you here because for me, a lot of times it feels like I can work really, really hard, but it looks like I'm looking at a bunch of cows at a new gate who just look at me and go, hmm. I mean, just, just what I hear, what I, what I interpret that as being, eh, Pastor, you can do whatever you want to. You can say whatever you want to say. I'll take my little nap here, and, but don't count on anything. I'm not going to give anymore. I'm not going to be faithful. I'm not going to take any steps of faith, you know. So do whatever you ever want to do, but I, I'm not, I'm not going to change. Can I just be a little honest with you? Have you ever been there? Where it just feels like nothing you do matters. So Why? then bother. I think every one of us has been there, but I want you to notice what Jesus does in the midst of those voices who are saying, don't bother. Verse 36, ignoring what they said. Come on now. Ignoring what they said. Okay, nobody's getting really excited about this. I'm getting a little excited about this. I mean, think about it. All these voices all these voices that are they're voices of doubt, he just ignored what they said. I think this is going to be my new life verse. Come on, you, you can adopt it too. 
I can think of a lot of ways I would like to use this verse as, as my life verse, but the reality is we probably can't take this scripture out of context, can we? I mean, just because you send me an email that says, you know, how much you hate my sermons or the things, decisions that I'm making, I can't just respond to you in big letters, Mark 536. <laughs> there you go. That's my response. That's my response. I, I can't do that. As much as I may want to, I can't use a scripture to not listen to your input. And young people, you cannot go home today, quoting Mark 536, saying, Mom, I'm going to date Jane no matter what you think. Mark 536, the pastor said. You can't do that, young people. You can't use this scripture to disobey your parents and husbands. Look at me. Husbands, you can't use this scripture to not help your wife. You can't go home saying, honey, I'm going to go fishing today, Mark 5.36. I don't care you need all this help at home. Mark 5.36. There you go. Husbands, you can't do this and not listen to, to your wife. The verse, what this verse is talking about is the voice of doubt that is opposed to God. That's the voice that Jesus ignored. Wow. I don't think that's me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just ignore that voice too, all right? That's the voice that Jesus ignored was the voice of doubt. Look at verse, verse 36. Look at, notice what Jesus says. Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. Don't be afraid, just believe. Now let me help you with a strategy for the voice of doubt that wants to come into your life because it's there, right? It's real, isn't it? Because here's the thing. A lot of times what makes the voice of doubt so debilitating for so many of us is that the situation is actually true. Did you see that? That's the reason why it's so hard to deal with the voice of doubt, because the situation is so many times true. In Jairus's case, his daughter was actually dead. His little girl had died. This was a fact. It wasn't a lie. It wasn't a deception. It was a truth. It, it was a fact here in that situation. And so what makes the voice of doubt so debilitating are the facts of the situation. Your child is on drugs. You are, your money is running low. You do feel lonely. You are lonely. Those are the facts of the situation. But listen to me, because this is what's so important for every one of us to understand. And that is there's a huge difference between facts and truth. Come on, follow with me. There's a huge difference between facts and truth. The fact might be that your child is on drugs. But the truth of the matter is that God is able to reach to the furthest ends of the earth to bring your child back. The facts may be that your money is low, but the truth of the matter is that our God is your provider and he will meet every one of your needs. That's the truth. The fact may be that you are lonely, but the truth of the matter is that God is a friend who sticks closer than a brother and he's faithful even when you're faithless and he'll never, ever, ever give up on you. That's the truth. Again, verse 36. Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. See, Jesus ignored the facts of the situation, but then and he turned to the truth of what he knew was a greater reality, a deeper reality. Listen to me, that's exactly what you and I have to be able to do. There's a difference between facts and truth. If you're ever going to overcome the voice of doubt that comes into your life, you're going to have to ignore the facts, and you're going to have to be able to turn to and embrace the truth. You're going to have to see the truth in the midst of those facts. Now, underline those last five words. Don't be afraid just believe. Don't be afraid, just believe. Now, on the surface, to me, those words seem pretty insensitive, don't they? Think of the situation that's going, going on here. Because if you're, if you're in this situation and your child died, and I came over to your house as, as your pastor, and I said, don't be afraid, just believe, I think that would be the, one of the last things you'd want to hear because it feels so trite, doesn't it? It feels so insensitive. I hate it when people hyper-spiritualize situations and use spiritual cliches in the midst of tragedies and difficulties. You know what I'm talking about? It just feels so trite. It feels so insensitive. It just, it just totally bugs me. And so when Jesus said, don't be afraid, just believe, to me, on the surface, that seems a little cold. It seems a little callous. It seems a little insensitive. But I want you to look at it from 
maybe a different perspective here this morning. I want you to think about this way. Hey, Cliff, can, can you come up here for a second, would you please? I, I need your help. Would you please? Come on up here, buddy. I know you love the pa- platform up here. <laughs> you love the light shining on you. Come on up. I want you to think about this way. Because let's say Cliff comes up to me and says, hey, hey, hey man, I'm, I'm really struggling. Financially, we're, we're really struggling here. You know, you know my, my wife had an accident and, and uh, we haven't been able to pay these bills. We're trying to figure out how to pay those bills and I don't even know how I'm going to pay for groceries this week. So he's having this conversation with me. What if I respond by saying, Cliff, don't worry about it. It's all good. How does that feel? Right? It feels insensitive, doesn't it? You know, it just, it is, it's belittling what's going on. But what if I say, Cliff, it's all good. Don't worry about it. But then I reach into my back pocket and I pull out a $100 bill. Does that change anything? How does it change it? It changes it because now I'm getting involved in his situation. Now I'm helping provide a solution to part of the problem here. So when I say, Cliff, don't worry about it. Cliff, it's okay. And I pull out of my back pocket a $100 bill and I put it in his hand and say, this is yours. There's something different that just happened there, doesn't it? Cliff, God wanted you to know that he is working in your situation. That's yours. All right? You see how it's different? This is what Jesus was doing with Jairus when he said, don't be afraid, only believe. He wasn't saying this to bring comfort in the situation. He was saying it because he actually knew something that Jairus didn't know. Jesus had something in his back pocket that he was about ready to give to Jairus. This is the reason, folks, why God can speak to your life with certainty when it seems so uncertain. The reason why God can look at the, in the face of that dead situation and say, only believe. The reason why God can look at your need and say, don't concern yourself about that. Don't worry about tomorrow. The reason why he can say those things is not because he's being cold or callous or insensitive. It's because he's an all-sufficient God. It's because he is able to provide, and he has something coming down the pike that he knows is about ready to land on your steps. He has something in his back pocket that has resurrection power in it that he's about ready to deposit into your life. This is the reason why he can say that. And then notice what happens. Verse 37. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came into the home of the synagogue ruler, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. Now, I want you, this is an important point for you to make, not, not the laughing at Jesus part, but, but the laughing here, it's really important for you to understand that if these guys laughed at Jesus, what makes you think that people in your life are going to cheer you on as you take steps of faith? The reality is a lot of times you're not going to have the support of people around you when you start stepping out in faith to do something for God. Jesus didn't have it here, and a lot of times you won't have it either. But then I want you to notice what Jesus did. Verse 40, after he put them all out. Now follow this through, because Jesus, in the face of criticism, in the face of doubt, in the face of death, in the face of hopelessness, Jesus makes this audacious statement, the child is not dead, the child is asleep. And the people laugh at him. And so what does he do? He puts them all out. Come on. He puts them all out. I love that. This is what he does. In the, in the midst of all those voices of doubt and unbelief, he puts them out. Listen, folks, th- those insecurities in your life that are keeping you from believing God, what do you need to do with them? You need to put them out. Those doubts and conditions in your mind that are keeping you from believing the promises of Jesus Christ, what do you need to do with them? 
You need to put them out. Those excuses that are keeping you from being able to obey the voice of the Lord and that are keeping you from stepping into those greater things that God has for you, what do you need to do with those excuses? You need to put them out, don't you? Those fears that rage in your mind that are trying to confront and control and to push down your faith and to cause you to back down from believing that anything can change, what do you need to do with those? You need to put them out. Those regrets of your past that are trying to paralyze the potential of your future, what do you need to do with them? You need to put them out. And those voices of negative people who have 101 reasons why you can't do this, what do you need to do with those voices? You need to put them out. This is exactly what Jesus did and exactly what we need to learn how to do, to put them out, to shut the door of the voices of doubt and to believe God. The reality is that some of you have gotten tripped up by this. The reality is some of you have even gotten stuck because those voices of doubt have consumed you. God started speaking to you about possibilities. He started stirring faith inside of you, and he started stirring the possibilities for your marriage, the possibilities for family, the possibilities for your career, the possibilities for your future, the possibilities of that business venture, the possibility of those ministry ideas, the possibility of those God-given dreams. God started putting in your heart, kind of stirring in your heart those possibilities, but then the voice of the enemy has been ringing in your ears, why bother? Why bother. It's hopeless. He'll never change. She'll never change. The door of opportunity will never open. No one will support you. You'll never be able to do that. You'll never get ahead. Why bother? And for some of you, the result of those voices that you've become paralyzed, you've gotten stuck, and you become critical, you become cynical, and you become even hopeless. I want you to know here this morning that God sees it. And he is greater than every one of those voices that have been consuming you that's causing you to get stuck when God says, it's possible. Why don't you close your eyes here? I felt all through this week just the presence of God wanting to minister to you here this morning. For those of you who faith has be begun to arise, but all these voices of doubt have been just consuming you and festering inside of you and causing you to let go and causing you to become cynical and, and hopeless. And I want you to know that the very presence of God here is here today to uproot those lies, to show you a greater truth in the midst of the facts of the situation that have been consuming you. Father, I pray for every one of us here in this room who have been overcome by the facts of what life has thrown us, that that's all that we can see. Father, I pray for each person here right now that, God, that you would break through all those voices of doubt, all those voices of unbelief, all those voices that are saying, why even bother? And, Lord, I pray that vision, truth, life would come inside of every man and every woman that we would be of those who do not shrink back, but we are those who move forward in faith, believing that you are greater, you are able to do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond what we could ever ask, hope, or imagine. Lord, I pray for a holy imagination to be stirred again in those hopeless thoughts. Lord, I pray again that you would stir in those that feel deadened inside because of loss, because of things that have happened, that new life would be breathed inside of them. 
I want to just do this here this morning because I, I feel like God specifically wants to speak into your situations. And if you can relate to any of what I'm just talking about, where you have these overwhelming sense of hopelessness and this whole issue of why bother, I want to just take a moment here. I want to pray for you here. If that's you, would, could you just raise your hand, please? If you feel like that's what's going on in your life, okay? All right, I'm going to ask you to do one more thing. I'm going to ask you to stand up, if you would, please. Why don't you stand up? The only reason why I'm going to ask you to stand up is because I, need, I want to be able to see where you are. All right. Now, church, let me tell you something. This is where you need to be, God's hands outstretched. This is not a time for spiritual cliches. This is about the truth of God entering into people's hearts. And so listen to me. There's people all around you that are standing. I want you to find somebody right now. I want you to get up out of your seat. I want you to move. I know that may, may make you feel uncomfortable. It's church and you just kind of get planted in one location. But listen to me. Move around, please. People are behind you, to the side of you, in front of you. I want you to find somebody who's standing. I want you to lay your hands on them. Okay, now that everybody's standing, can you put, those of you who are in those situations, I'll put your hand up, hand up high so, they, so people can find you now, okay? All right? We have some people, Alan, right over here, at front here with you, please. Okay, I want, I want to have somebody around everybody, everybody that has their hands raised. Listen, folks, this is, this is what church is, okay? And right where you are, I want you to begin praying for the people, okay? You start praying for them, okay? Just turn to them. Okay, if you don't know their name, ask their name. They don't have a name tag, look at it. But I want you to start praying for them, okay? You be God's arms outstretched right now. You begin just to let the Spirit of God flow through you to breathe life and truth in the midst of facts, in the midst of those fears, in the midst of those insecurities. Just let the Spirit of God work through you right now because He wants to minister to everyone. I'm telling you, God's presence is all over you. I felt it all week that God wants to intervene in what's happening to you right there. That there's things that are coming down from heaven that He wants to put in your hand. He's got things in His back pocket that He wants to deposit into your situation. And so, Father, I pray all across this room, Lord, I pray for your life to flow in the midst of hopelessness, in the midst of fears and insecurities, in the midst of just feeling, why even bother? Why, why do this struggle? Why do I keep on doing this? You're just tired of the fight, and you feel like you just want to give up. Lord, I pray right now, Father, that your presence would come. God, you would speak truth in the midst of those storms, in the midst of those waves that are crashing in on their life. God, that you would speak truth right there in the midst of that. That would break up just the facts of the situation. God, you are their provider. God, you are their healer. God, you are the one who's greater than those situations. You're greater than those lies. You're greater than what's happening there. And so, Father, let new life flow. God, let your presence fill every man, every woman here in this situation. Father, thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that we can look to you, that we can look to you in the midst of those storms, that we can find rest and refuge, that it is true that the winds and the waves, they still respond to the name of Jesus. Let this, as a worship team just begins to worship here. I want you to let just the, the, the soak inside of you, just continue to pray and just continue to just declare the song of worship over your life here. Let's do this again.
You know, we normally end uh, with doing communion here together and the table is set. And, but instead of doing it in an organized fashion that a lot of times we do, I'm gonna, the worship team is just gonna just continue to worship. Um, and if you wanna come and take communion as part of that faith statement that you said, okay, God, I'm gonna believe again, I'm gonna do this again, then, then you're welcome just to come as you want to. There's the bread and the juice that's right here, um, here for you. But, but I feel like God just wants to just kind of ruminate inside of you, just settle inside of you just a little bit. You know, it's only 11.50. I have 10 minutes. But I'm not going to talk. Okay, I'm done. But you need to, more than anything, you need to let just the presence, the Spirit of God just work inside of you. And so if you're done, then I'm going to ask you to quietly go outside or up to the Welcome Center and just kind of hang out there. Um, but I'm going to just let this be a place where you just can just let the presence of God just sink inside of you. I know this. You know, the psalmist says in Psalms 42, why are you downcast, O my soul? Put your trust, put your hope in God. For I know that I'll yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Sometimes you just need to kind of stir yourself up. And you need to remind yourself of the goodness and the greatness of God. In the midst of the facts that are crowding in on you, you need to remind yourself of how big God is. That it is true that in that, God, that the waves and the winds still respond to the name of Jesus, which means your finances, those relationships, your body, what's happening in this world, they still have to respond to the name of Jesus. The Bible says that everything in heaven and on earth and below earth must bow its name to the name of Jesus. And so the name of Jesus, who he is, is greater than all these things. And so sometimes you just need to let that soak inside you. Here's what I'm, here's what I'm believing. I, I told you at the beginning when we started this series, I feel like God is launching, wants to launch things in you. And some of you have forgotten that there's still things in God's back pocket that he's about ready to give you. And you need to be reminded that he's greater than what you see. You heard Tress talk about this morning. We're going to be prayer walking this whole area. The reason why I believe in this is because prayer is the thing that softens all the things that are going on. And it, gives op it opens and gives entry for the Spirit of God to come. And that's why we're doing it. We're praying for you. There's people in this area that have never been prayed for. We want to make sure we pray for people. But as that happens, here's the thing. When God begins to open and soften things, this is an opportunity for you now to move forward in faith. Because now there's, there's ground that's been prepared. And so I want you to be thinking about that. What steps of faith can I take now? What, what are those things that I can launch into? I want you to think about being creative. Because there's a lot of things that go on. We talked about in our, our Catalyst 2 group. I have, I have these six guys that are in my Catalyst 2 group that meet here on Wednesday night. And this is what we're going to do. On Halloween, we're going to Sweetwater um, to Josh and Christy's house. And we're going to give out hot dogs while people are coming around from house to house. And we're just going to hand out hot dogs and bless people as they come by. I also did this, everybody. I just or I ordered 2,000 water bottles that has one chapel, Lake Travis, on it that you can use to give away to everybody that you see as you're stepping out in faith and doing some things. They'll be in, in the office this week. If you want to stop by and pick up several hundred, you're welcome to do it. Just to be creative and, be go and reach out into your community, into your neighborhood, all right? I spoke way too much. I said I wasn't going to. <laughs> Communion's right here. Prayer team, I want to ask you to do something. Those of you on prayer team, come forward. If you want somebody to pray with you, to be more hands and feet, they're going to be up front here to pray with you as well, okay? If you're done, you're welcome to be dismissed. If not, just, just, stick, let, just linger here. Just let the worship team just kind of sing over you as you let movement happen inside of you.